Yep. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show ownership edition presented by Prize Picks. I'm Dave Lochran at Lafay underscore D, L O U G H Y underscore D. For those of you podcast listeners, joined as always by Eric Linquist at Eric Linquist and Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski. I'll give him the same honors G A J E W S K I. Matt, we were talking about it right before the show started. Usually we can kind of have like blanket discussions about players. So we don't go for four hours on a single show, but this slate 14 games week 17 looks a whole lot different from site to site as a lot of other ones have this season. Yeah. It's and last week was kind of similar. There was a little pricing discrepancy with Alexander Madison, where he was just a stone lock on FanDuel and then DraftKings. He was still a really good play, but you had to make some decisions. But I was just running through some salaries and like Antonio Brown, wide receiver three on FanDuel. He's at like wide receiver 18 on DraftKings. The same can be said with Sony Michelle, who's running back 10 on FanDuel, running back 24 on DraftKings. If you're playing multiple sites, it actually creates an interesting dilemma, I think, and an interesting puzzle. And you're probably going to end up with a lot of diversification just naturally. Yeah, no question. And and look, Eric, I've said this yesterday on the first look show. I'm kind of excited about this because now I can come in and I can play a nine game slate and then I can play a five game 4 p.m. slate. So you actually have two pretty good sized slates if you're not trying to go heavy into a 14 gamer. Yeah, that's the awesome way. Play multiple slates, give yourself exposure yep. to multiple spots, have your analysis matter more than just playing one main slate. Uh, I love these like five game afternoons too, you know, obviously I'm doing live before lock and, you know, there are times when you want to be a little bit more hands-on with your lineups. And so I'll end up firing a little bit more on some of the late slate stuff. And uh, it's nice to get anything that's more than like a three gamer. Yeah, for sure. And you got some huge contests for both of these. So it's not like we're going to be starved for, for big contests with big payouts. Anyway, We'll break it all down. We're happy to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. You know how it goes. Help us combat that YouTube uh, overlords around here. Nameless, faceless beasts. But we feed the algorithm. We move on. We're close to 70,000 subs, 69,600. We're almost there. And if you want to join, hit that join button down below. Get the custom emojis, the free super chats each month. The badges that improve over time, as you can see in our chat this morning. And we'll always cuss, or we'll always shout you out and prioritize your questions along with our premium Discord members. But yeah, hammer that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you stick around for a little while. All right, let's do this, Eric. Uh, we'll, as we do always with this show, we do quarterbacks last because we'll talk about top stacks. And generally, it just mixes in anyway, so we don't really have to worry about that. At running back, though, and like Matt said, feel free to, to skip around with crazy ownership on one site compared to another just based on pricing. But if we're looking at DraftKings out of the gate, David Montgomery is pulling the most by a pretty wide margin, followed by Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, and guys like Sonny Michelle. Yeah, coming off a week where, I mean, we just had so much value. I, I will say this is just a little bit different than that at the running back position. And, you know, David Montgomery... I don't even know. I, I think it was a mistake by me last week not to be there. Um, obviously, the volume is me just too, too. By the way, I I actively spoke against getting to 
not getting to him, but getting to a ton of them because there were so many other good players in that same price range. Yeah, but I mean, 78% of the snaps, the big thing, obviously, for DraftKings purposes, the reason he's going to pop so much is this receiving volume is Crazy. starting to come out of nowhere. Crazy. Nine, seven, six, and nine targets now through four games here. Uh, definitely doesn't have to combat uh, Damian Williams, Khalil Herbert for touches here. Again, 78% of the snaps there against Seattle. Now you're looking at a spot here, uh, you know, 6,500 going up against the New York Giants. I mean, this is definitely not an imposing spot by any means. He's definitely going to be one of the highest owned, if not the highest owned running back, barring a lot of news. So uh, I think it makes sense. 25% even feels low just because there is less of that automatic. I want to get their value uh, compared to what we had last week. Yeah. And Matt, I, like I said, and like Eric said, I'll take the L on that as well. It wasn't that I didn't like, I specifically stated explicitly. It's not that I don't like Montgomery. It's this is a pretty bad football team. Uh, in a lot of bad weather out there in a tough place to play in Seattle. And it just didn't matter. Uh, and Nick Foles played pretty well and targeted Montgomery a ton. So man, that pass catching volume, like Adam or Eric alluded to that, that makes a player a whole lot more appealing because Montgomery's yards per carry was trash on Sunday. He did everything through the air and getting into the end zone. Yeah. I, I think he ran a little bit bad on the ground too. They're a team. It's just shocking to see Chicago as a six point favorite against anybody, but that's where we stand here. So you're expecting a little more efficiency from Montgomery in this spot against a New York giants team. That's just completely folded at this point in the year. Not sure on the status of Justin Fields, whether it's going to be Foles out there or fields, but I honestly think Foles might help him just in the past game. You're looking at more checkdowns with Foles at quarterback and Montgomery was the main beneficiary. It's just such a bad team right now, devoid of talent. When you get a matchup like this late in the year and Montgomery's seeing the volume, everything lines up and it makes sense. And to Eric's point, we, we don't have the stone Justin Jackson near minimum lock play of the week. So I do think there's going to be more interest in these mid-price guys. There's a lot of value to be had, but just it's not the same kind of value. Matt, where are you going with, with, with Jonathan Taylor, who's 9K on DraftKings? He's 10,000 flat on FanDuel. So yeah, if you're paying for or playing Jonathan Taylor, you're going to have to pay up for him, but it, it does feel like one of those spots and they could get Carson Wentz back now with the new, with, with, with uh, less days to quarantine asymptomatic, whether you're vaccinated or not. So you could have Wentz back in the mix for this one, uh, which would be pretty helpful is, is Taylor someone you want to prioritize or can we go with a real balanced lineup this week? I think you can definitely go balance lineups. There's a lot of running backs where you're getting the same volume at a much cheaper price. The efficiency is the question. Are you going to get the same efficiency with a cheaper back? This week, you might. Taylor's a little hard to talk about on Wednesday because it's not just Carson Wentz who's dealing with COVID. Their offensive line is in shambles right now, and some of them might play, some of them, some of them won't. And it's not just COVID. Like There's players out with personal issues, injuries. So we saw with Taylor in recent game and probably the reason why he's not the MVP is he just can't take over a game. And when you can get players that have similar volume at a cheaper price, I think there's a lot of merit to just paying down at running back and then prioritizing a Cooper cup who, I mean, Cooper cup, if you just want to talk the nine K players, it's really hard for him to fail compared to Taylor. So that's where I tend to side on this. I would rather pay down, especially if Taylor's going to be this highly owned. And I mean, 17% is not crazy. It's not crazy. No, I mean, it's just once again, Eric, you come into the same situation of, all uh, right, you have Ronald Jones, you have D 
David Montgomery, you have Sonny Michelle. You have, there's not as much value as there was last time. But shit, if Singletary is single digits, I'm going to be getting the Singletary as well. He's getting a ton of work. He has 10 red zone carries over the last two games. There's a lot of these guys here that if we're just looking at popular options and not lower ownership, you're doing it wrong as well. Because I think there's there's more than enough ways to get creative. If Eli Mitchell plays in his 8% or 5%, what are you doing with so many of these other backs that might not be super popular? Uh, it depends. I mean, if Devin Singletary isn't popular, I mean, I he was my large stand last week, and I think I would be happy to do that once again. I mean, we're seeing this either Zach Moss or Matt Breida being inactive. The dude is just absolutely owning this backfield for the first time ever pretty much here in Buffalo. So I'm looking at him at 5,400 being a guy sub 10% that I would absolutely get to at the slate started now. I mean, we've seen some uh, different tags here, but Sonny Michelle is underpriced. 5,800, you know, you don't obviously have a 4,200 Justin Jackson. Him inflated up to 6K, but I mean, we're looking at getting uh, our guy Austin Eckler back here. And, you know, I'm not necessarily sure exactly what that uh, workload looks like for him. The carries have been, you know, pretty stagnant around that 12 to 14 range here uh, for the last eight weeks. So um, in, a, in a game, the Chargers need to win, though. I do expect him to be on the field an absolute ton. So I'd be fine getting up there as a pivot off of Taylor. Well, there's not really a pivot off Taylor. Taylor's the most secure thing for volume. But uh, as you were saying, this this entire mid five range and upper five range, I mean, I'm just in love with a guy like Sony Michelle here for cash, for tournaments, for just about everything else. 90% of the snaps that we saw here with Henderson out there. I mean, it's kind of crazy how much he's taken over this backfield. It is. It is. And he's actually not bad. I will say, oh, though. Oh, that's weird. Who said that once upon a time? Oh, but running backs, you know, Sony Michelle, oh, he's terrible. <laughs> Eric, you're so dumb. I don't think crap. I don't think most people thought that. I'm sure oh, most people thought that because YouTube exists and you can look at like we did a lot of those preseason videos, Lafay. Everybody, true. everybody was That's on my true. case about the Shoney Michelle. I mean, it was insane. That's He's true. probably the person I got the most crap about. That's true. And it's funny because if you actually look at Sonny Michelle's numbers and they've never been horrible, they, they're not bad. But what I'm saying, I, if Sonny Michelle ends up being real chalky this week, this is actually a spot I want to get away from. And the reason is the Baltimore Ravens are a legitimate pass funnel defense right now. This is not to say mm -hmm. that Joe Mixon didn't have a strong game last week. No, he did. And one of those touchdowns was through the air. But Baltimore's secondary is so ravaged that, you know, you have Joe Burrow out there throwing for 500 yards or whatever it was. Yeah. And, you know, while it might not be a T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and Odell Beckham is not a bad trio to have in this matchup. So, uh, yeah, I like a lot getting to a full-out stack for the Rams. And if that comes at the expense of getting the Sonny Michelle in those lineups, Matt, uh, that's something I'm going to be going with. What are you doing at the rest of running back? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. There's a couple of interesting pivots, I think, when you get down in price range. Darrell Williams is probably going to be handling the lead back duties for Kansas City. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not expected to play. And we've seen Derek Gore play a decent amount for this team, but he's still just a change of pace at the end of the day. Right now, he's under 3%. We have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire projected in. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is doubtful. So I would assume... Darrell Williams jumps a little bit, but at the same time, you're still talking about a guy who's the lead back for the Kansas City Chiefs in a game that has the highest total on the board. And Darrell Williams, he's already been playing their third down back role. So he's a guy that has a lot of pass catching upside too. 
Rashad Penny for Seattle. He's taken over this backfield. And I know Seattle just lost to the Bears, but they're now seven and a half point favorites against Detroit, who's let you run on them all season. So I think Rashad Penny's another pivot right around Love the that. 6K mark where you can get to. And I mean, I'm going to have a lot of interest in these guys, depending on how ownership shakes out. If Montgomery and Sony come in as highly owned as they're projected to right now, these are just direct tournament pivots that I have a lot of interest in. I like Rashad Penny a lot. You don't have to feel... You don't have to feel great about this backfield, but the matchup's excellent. The only the only caveat here, and this is the same caveat for a lot of guys in this very price range, the only thing is what type of pass catching involvement do they have? That's the only thing, and that's what that's what you know kind of leads everybody back to to David Montgomery, Eric, because there's a lot of really good uh, rushing or running backs here. How many of them are going to have that same opportunity if things go sideways? or even in a neutral game script to get those pass catching attempts uh, and those targets, which, which Montgomery has had, but yeah, Penny against Detroit. That's, there's no doubt. That's a very good matchup as well. Yeah. But you're also sub 5%. It's all factored in. Like that's, that's the thing about talking on these ownership shows is that you're, you're very aware that Rashad Penny is not as good of a play, but is he, you know, one fifth of the play that we're looking at out of uh, somebody like David Montgomery, I would say in tournaments, no, simply because, you know, you're targeting upside, you're targeting touchdowns, you're targeting, you know, 17 carries isn't exactly nothing there. Uh, having the backfield there in Seattle is not nothing against such a porous Detroit team. So I'm definitely um, on, on the side of Matt there. Uh, you know, if it were something where they're equal, of course, you're going to take David Montgomery and his security blanket that he has with targets. But his touchdown expectation is definitely, you know, something where, uh, it's about equal to what you would say Rashad Penny's would be on the ground here in their similar spots. So uh, that is always kind of one of the things that we maybe don't talk enough about where it's, you know, if the ownership at the slate started now, there's just no way around it. You would want to get to a lot more Rashad Penny than sub 5% in this kind of a spot. For sure. And yeah, we, we touched briefly on, on Devin Singletary, Eric, but uh, both of us have been on him lately. Mm -hmm. Going back to the past two weeks, this has been someone that, you could see this coming given that his snap counts had risen uh, even against Tampa. They didn't run the ball, but he was on the field for almost the whole game. Uh, and then even last week with Zach Moss active again, and who knows he could be inactive again this week. It's, it's strange how they've decided to do that. Devin Singletary was still the guy, six targets, 18 total looks. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing for me, this guy's getting red zone touches. He's getting goal line carries in back-to-back -back weeks. He's getting looks inside the 10 yard line. If you're Devin Singletary and you're getting those type of looks, that's what separates you from the Devin Singletary that needed to break a 40-yard touchdown early in the season or last year or the year before that. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way around it. Like Devin Singletary in this spot is just different. And I love when this happens for a player when there's a, a drastic change in role because people are just the exact same thing with Sony Michelle. He sucks. Devin Singletary is terrible. He always burns me. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, this is not the way that you play fantasy football. You look at what the opportunity is. You see basically what his projected workload's going to be. I think having some of these other wide receivers out probably helped a little bit in terms of just like getting him out on the field. Although Isaiah McKenzie, <laughs> he ended up performing pretty well, but like legitimately, I don't see any way around it. Like you have to be rostering these guys so long as there's opportunity there. It's the same thing with Chase Edmonds. Completely different situation if you don't have James Conner out there and We'll see end up what ends up happening here for week 17. But like, that's a guy who is projected for no ownership because of course we're going to project James Conner in here early in the week coming off of a heel issue. But like, 
you're just looking at like Chase Edmonds in a completely different role. And so, yeah, maybe he's burned everybody since week five. Oh, I do not care. If you give me the sole backfield in any one of these spots in a must-win game against a Dallas team that, you know, obviously is playing well, but uh, Arizona needs wins just to even like secure a playoff spot at this point, uh, let alone, you know, the one seed, which might've been aspirations of old, like Chase Edmonds would be another dude who just falls into that bucket of guys that you have to look at differently than you did before. Yeah, if Connor doesn't play, too, I mean, that's, that's sig significant. Matt, you got anything else at running back? Even if it's kind of a perspective play right now, barring injury, or sorry, uh, judging from what we're going to get in injury news with a Connor or anybody else? I think we should talk Rojo for a little bit. I was surprised to see him so low. And I think part of that is the long run from Keyshawn Vaughn. Part of the knock on Ronald Jones is going to be pass catching. And he didn't really play on third downs. That definitely wasn't his role. But Tampa Bay is such a high pass rate overall that he's just going to work his way into some checkdowns when Tom Brady's changing the play call, things like that. And you're still going up against the New York Jets here. So even if the pass catching role is not as secure as some other players, 13-point favorites against the worst defense in football, game script should at least be working in his favor. So I, I thought he would be a little higher owned, and maybe this comes up throughout the week. But right now, Ronald Jones is still a pretty middling play in terms of ownership. And the last, guy, the last guy I'm going to mention here, this is just purely speculative, purely tournament-based play, but Dare Gumbawale played 80%, 82% of snaps for Jackson. Yes, he did. Oh, shit. Like this guy, he went to Wisconsin. He was there when I was there, so I'm very familiar with his game. He's non-explosive pass-catching third down back, so he does fill the role that James Robinson plays, but I mean, like – this is about as bad of a running back play as you could get as a 15 and a half point underdog for a team with a 13 implied total, but he's on the field almost every snap. So I, I feel like I got to say his name. 15 and a half point dogs. Yeah. Oops. I, I hear you though. Right. With Ronald Jones, the, if, if the Vaughn touchdown didn't happen, uh, I think we'd probably be having a different conversation, but at the same time, it's not like Ronald Jones was, was completely ineffective or ineffective last game. Sure. He did not, he was not efficient on the ground, but he had 20 carries. He still had 20 carries in that game, 23 total looks. He had three targets. Now they're facing the New York jets. That is not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever, Eric, that, that you get a two touch that two rushing touchdown game from Ronald Jones here. I mean, look, I, I've been burnt more on Ronald Jones than I think any other player in the history of the NFL, not named miles Sanders, but uh, Here's the thing. Le'Veon Bell, though, we got to have this conversation, too. No, he's he going to get integrated in some capacity. No, he's not. And yes, he is. No, he he'll, get three, he'll get like he's five an insurance snaps. policy out there. I don't think so. I think he he'll probably. Five snaps I mean, a game, ten, maybe something like that. OK, well, Keyshawn Vaughn played 36 percent. So, I mean, we're talking about Ronald Jones, 50 percent, 60 percent of snaps. He's always been in the doghouse with Arians. He's the best running back that they have. Maybe he just gets all of the volume there, but then you're basically touchdown hunting here for a team that loves to throw at the goal line for a Tom Brady led offense. So like, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Yes. I, absent Leonard Fournette for me, it's going to come down to, I I'm in the same boat with Matt, right? I expect him to be higher owned come Sunday. And if I assume such things like that, then you're looking at a spot where you kind of need to hit the brakes, but at his current level of ownership, I think it would totally be worth it considering, you know, a near 30 point total against the jets here for Tampa Bay. All right. You, What's you're good? not a fan of that. What's up? You just love Ronald Jones this week. No, no, it's not even that. I, I mean, 
I, I have a tough time looking at snap counts when, when you when you're looking at touches as well. And, and, you know, like you could have a guy that doesn't play a ton of snaps, but if he's out there and he's getting all of the carries, it's a whole lot. Like if you're out there for 95% of snaps and you're just blocking and you're not getting targeted or you're running wind sprints, I'd rather have the guy that's out there for 50% that has 23 touches. That's but 6,300 as opposed to 5,100, he's a lot different play. And I think that's probably what we're seeing with the ownership. People are pretty sensitive to pricing and uh, that change um, and not seeing the role get it to like 65, 70% of snaps, which would be what I think most people were expecting in that spot. How many people thought Keyshawn Vaughn was going to play a meaningful part of anything in that, in that game? Keyshawn Vaughn went from being just a glorified special teamer, you know, playing 60, 70% of special team snaps to playing 36% of the offensive snaps. That's just yeah, kind but of like running a, back snaps are like, he, he had seven carries. Yeah. But I, he had the, he had the big, he's just on the field. He's taking away opportunity where Ronald Jones could actually see some passing volume. All right. Let's keep going here. Prize picks. We can talk about prize picks all day. We don't have all day, but I can tell you if you haven't signed up there yet, you're insane because they've already given you the $100 match deposit bonus when you sign up using the promo code AWESOMO. It's a daily player prop contest. They're awesome. There's no juice on either side. You're just taking the over or the under on all of that. There's no sharks, no optimizers, no mass entries, anything like that. You're building lineups, two, three, four, or five prop lineups, and you can 10X if you, if you hit all five. But if you only hit four or five, you still 2X. You still make money back if you hit three or five. You're not getting that on any traditional site parlays anywhere else. So take advantage of it. It looks nice. The user experience is fantastic, whether it's prizepicks.com, whether it's the App Store, the Google Play Store, doesn't matter. Check it out. Use the promo code AWESOMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Get $100 when you sign up and deposit for the first time. And if you want to, say you, say you know basketball, you know hockey, you know football, you can mix them all in to one lineup. You don't have to do just basketball or just football. You can do cross-sport entries and all of that good stuff. You can do the power plays where you do four-player lineup and you have to hit all four to 10X. And you can use all of our free player prop tools at Awesomeo. You can use Odd Shopper totally free every day of the week to get the best edge that you're going to get. Now, all of that is great. Let me conclude by saying, if you haven't signed up yet, you get one free month of Awesomeo Plus Platinum, $90 value when you sign up using our link and deposit at Prize Picks. You'll hear from them or hear back from us 24, 48 hours later to redeem your free month of Awesomeo Plus Platinum. So all of that on top of it, $90 value, Awesomeo Plus Platinum. Use the link in the description or the one that Mike's throwing into chat. Check it out, prizepicks.com, App Store, Google Play, wherever you want to find it. All right, wide receiver, Matt. Talk to me about the top, Cooper Cup against Baltimore. This is a very good spot for him. Yep, and Cooper Cup was 50% owned last week. There's a chance he might be more. And right now he's projected for 18. That surely comes up. I would be shocked if he's anything less than 30. You're starting to get to the point where, unless we get these egregious mispricings where we have Justin Jackson as the stone men, He's getting close to the area where you have to make significant enough concessions where Cooper Cup can become a liability in your lineup. But ultimately, I think there's a lot of running back value where we don't necessarily need to have these discussions just yet. It's more so on like FanDuel where he's become egregiously expensive. With DraftKings at 9,500, I think you can still talk about him. 
and I know what you're going to say, like Baltimore has no secondary right now. All that is true, but it's still at 9,500. If he's going to win you a tournament himself, he's going to have to put up like 40 or 50 points at this salary. Otherwise, he's just not differentiating you from your lineup and the points he scores at his price, they're just not going to differentiate you either. I totally agree with you. I have no no arguments against that whatsoever. Eric, what are you thinking up top with some of these uh, high-owned, high-priced wide receivers coming into Week 17? Huge 14-game slate. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm very excited to get my Chipotle from you too. 52% Cooper Cup in the Millie Maker. Look at that. What yeah. did we say? Was what was his price? 42% was the over-under. 9,100 he was. I, I got to say, though, it's kind of disingenuous of you, given how many <laughs> COVID-19 things and how many injuries oh, popped up throughout oh. the week when we talked about this on Wednesday. Just throwing it out there, you know, Justin uh, Jackson, minimum sal, min sal, Justin Jackson. I don't know. I'm just saying it was on the board. It was on the board Wednesday last week. Eckler was already on the list. So uh, I will that's say, about- I, I think Justin Jackson, that's, that's exactly the reason that I don't think he gets to like 50% this week is coming off a week where he didn't win anybody a tournament. There were lots of winning lineups with him, but he wasn't the reason you did anything at 24.3. He won't be the reason you do anything this week either. Even if he puts up 50, simply because ownership, when somebody's that popular, you either have them or you don't. And it's not really like a, like a question. He's just such a key point of every single slate at this point in time. And you should know by now that if you're fading, you understand the upside that comes with Cooper cup. I saw something where it's like 19 straight games. He's had five plus catches here now. I mean, he's just adding ridiculous stats to ridiculous stats. Uh, Debo Samuel, I'm never going to get right ever. I'm definitely not going to be playing him at 8,700 no matter what, but Tyreek Hill coming off of an absolute bust beyond a bust here. I mean, this is the ultimate bounce back spot here. Cincinnati's defense really hasn't had to do anything special. I mean, if you have Joe Burrow going completely nuts in that spot, that'll do it. But Tyree kill, maybe you get, I mean, you're going to get Kelsey back here this week. I believe they just enacted that to make it six days um, for the, for the dealio for the NFL as well. So Tyree kill with Kelsey the out what? there, maybe just say that again. You say dealio. I don't know. I'm from the Midwest. I say stupid shit all the time, Luffy. Sorry, God. Yes, the dealio. God, Tyreek Hill. I'm sorry. I'm moving on. It's fine. It's fine. I must have been. You know, it's just I came into the room and Matt's like, I want, like, we must be protocol today. We are, we are focused. (laughs) We are focused. Again, I can't blame him. The dude has had. He nobody is running worse than Matt Kajewski in the content streets. What? Just from all the games being canceled? Yeah, I would love to wake up early morning, put my article together, fix projections for college football games, and then have them get canceled every night. That would be but, enjoyable. Yeah, it sucks. He's not even reacting. He's just a robot. No, the Terminator. I, don't think he's heard, I don't think he's heard a word we've said in the past two or three minutes. Oh, he's smirking. That would, I mean, those are some pretty nice words. What, what can you do with the games being canceled? At least we still get some being played. Yeah, what's the dealio, man? What else are you watching on TV at nights to fill time? That's funny. You think I'm watching TV, but <laughs> you're just sitting there looking at the wall, doing nothing. Right. I, so- I will say I did watch the Monday night game. So there's that. Oh, lucky you. Yes. <laughs> that- Beautiful what a performance. shit game that was. Oh, huh? man, it's been so bad. That game was we, terrible. I thought we actually had some decent football last weekend. 
Like what? Well, the Cincinnati game was just exciting. As oh yeah, there were some good games. I was at the Eagles game and we scored thirty-one in the second half. That was cool. Yeah, there were, there were some pretty good games. First half was dreadful. I mean, like the Houston LA game was really exciting. Maybe that's probably an indictment on the Chargers, but <laughs> oh, there were some pretty exciting football games. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, wait, who even played on Monday? I can't even remember now. I just know it was bad. Not the Saints. Oh, yeah. My God. What a horrible football. Saints and Dolphins. Oh, my God. Just terrible. But I think up at the top, Matt, you've got Antonio Brown. And I just don't really see, at least on speaking specifically to DraftKings right now, because this is a lot different. This is one of the specific spots that you were referring to earlier where Antonio Brown's 8,500 on FanDuel. 8,500 for Antonio Brown. Uh, what's he at on Yahoo? Let me see. Yahoo. <laughs> you can play whoever you want on Yahoo. I know. 28. That's what actually good? pretty okay, expensive that, for Yahoo. That's pretty it, good. That's actually pretty good pricing. What I the mean, DraftKings is the most do? inefficient here. By far. It's 61. DraftKings ruined a lot of the wide receiver spot here with Antonio Brown. I just hate it. I hate yeah, it. it sucks, but uh, I am going to be playing a lot of Antonio Brown against the Jets. Same. That sucks. My thoughts on the top of the position, I think there's a lot of room to pivot away from Cup. Like Antonio Brown on DraftKings specifically, outside of like large field tournaments, if you're playing like small fields and stuff, he's a guy I'm just going to eat. There's obviously merit to fading him in the 100,000 field tournaments, your Millie Maker style stuff. But I think I'm comfortable eating Antonio Brown at his price rather than Cooper Cup. And we have alternatives to Cooper Cup in the expensive range. None of them have the same projection. We'll just get that out there. But like Stefan Diggs, he's 1.5K cheaper. Tyreek Hill's a little bit less than that, but still pretty close. He's only at 8,300. A guy like A.J. Brown, who's coming off a monstrous double-digit target game himself, is at 7,200. He's over 2K cheaper than Cooper Cup. Yep. Even if a, one of these receivers puts up like 90, 85% of what Cooper Cup does, if you're saving 2K in salary, that's going to be huge for your lineups. So I think I'm going to try to differentiate a lot at the top, obviously with my stacks, but I don't think you have to get too cute right now with the cheap guys. I think you can just play a guy like Antonio Brown and then try to differentiate at the top of the position. AJ Brown is such an interesting play this week. I, I know Miami's defense is, has played better. Um, I know the secondary is not bad, but 16 targets last game, Eric, just a pure alpha performance that you've been looking for from AJ Brown. And it proved that they really needed somebody like this to come back for them. They, they, they lost Henry, right? Julio Jones has been a shell of himself, uh, of his old self. AJ Brown comes back and is purely dominant. He caught 11 of 16 targets for 145 yards, had a deep touchdown against a respectable enough San Francisco team. Uh, I think there are a lot of options in this, like Jamar Chase. What's ownership going to look like on him? Mm -hmm. what, what's Diggs going to look like? And then I, I, let, let's just be clear here. Mike Evans could play. Mm -hmm. If it's only five or six days, whatever it is, he could play. He also has the hamstring issue too, though. If that's the case, then we have a different discussion on Antonio Brown and we have a different discussion on Mike Evans with a 30-point total against the Jets. 
Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I think everything Matt said is very applicable where, you know, obviously if you get 85, 90% of whatever Cup does and, you know, if Cup puts up 30, you don't necessarily need him if you can find some of these other guys, the T Higgins 40 spot that we had the other week, you know, even Jalen Waddle, the amount of receiving volume that that guy's getting is just absurd too. So uh, in a PPR setting, dynamic playmaker, but I'm with you. A.J. Brown was my big stand in showdown. Absolutely loved him. I got to say, Tennessee handled him really, really nicely. AFC South is trash. They were 9-5, and five, and they just kind of coasted there for a while. Um, you know, obviously played a lot of a lot more competitive games than you expect with every skill position player out there. But A.J. Brown came back. He looks healthy. He looks fantastic right out of the gate here. Miami's obviously played very, very well here of late. But looking at that game, A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddle, definitely two pieces that I'm very high on for tournaments. And then, of course, of course, like Rashad Penny, but like Tyler Lockett, I know that we had, you know, a spot where, where DK Metcalf ended up getting that touchdown catch early in the game. Nobody else from Seattle really got there. But against Detroit, I'm really happy to fire up some more Tyler Lockett. No doubt about it. 6,400. You're getting a number one there. Um, you know, you can make the argument Metcalf is, you know, just had a down year here. But for whatever reason, the rapport has definitely been there with Lockett and it hasn't been there with Metcalf. And I'm happy to just go right back to the well on Lockett at reduced ownership. Dude, Ben Penn pointed this out yesterday. Metcalf had a 41-yard touchdown, or was it a 42-yard touchdown? 41, yep. 41, and finished with two receptions for 41 yards. It's great. <laughs> great. That, that team right now, I, I truly have no idea what to make of that, of that team at, at all. I... I don't even know if I want to target anything from Seattle at this point. I really don't. I, maybe like that's Penny. the wrong move. But. Didn't you like Penny with Matt? I'm, uh, the passing game. I'm, I'm, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I think Tyler Lockett, just from a pure volume standpoint, obviously Metcalf had a big play early there, but for whatever reason, um, there's just no rapport there at the moment. He's not even really looking Metcalf's way very often. So like it's crazy. I think coming a week back off of the COVID list here for Tyler Lockett, three for six there. Chicago, that game, they started kind of packing it in, and Chicago ends up getting the two late scores. They go for two, and game over, you lost, which is probably a good thing for Seattle at this point. Probably is. That team stinks, man. Yeah, um, horrendous. It's really bad. Matt, what do you make of Amon Ross St. Brown, who is just – whether it's Goff or Tim Boyle, this guy's getting peppered with looks. And my God, he looks really good for a young rookie wide receiver coming out of nowhere late in the season. Yeah, I like Amon Ross St. Brown. Thought he was a good prospect coming out of USC. He's He plays a lot like in the slot. So he's more your possession style receiver. He is kind of like a similar workload to a, a Jalen Waddle where he's used a lot, a lot around the line of scrimmage. So he doesn't really have explosive plays but he makes up for it with just raw volume. And he did so with Tim Boyle. That's why I got off of him last week, mistakenly so. And now with Jared Goff returning from the COVID list, you should see at least an uptick in efficiency here. I don't think there's a lot in this game environment in terms of shootout potential. I, I'm probably not going to be stacking it whatsoever. And I'm not honestly that really, I'm not very interested in running a lot of correlation here, but if I am trying to run someone back on the other side of Rashad Penny, it is going to be Amon Ross St. Brown based on that volume. I, I think he's a reasonable pivot off Antonio Brown, but ultimately, like, what is the scoring opportunity for either team in this game? The total's super low. Detroit's implied for just barely over 17 points. And Seattle's running such low play volume that it's going to depress the plays overall in the game. Like, Seattle 
is playing a historically slow offense. There hasn't been an offense slower than Seattle since 2018. So like, I, that's like why I'm not going to play any Lockett or Metcalf. You basically need one of them to hit an 80-yard touchdown to pay off tournament winning ball, like salary at that price. It's just a bad game. Will McNeil said, did I miss Laffey touting Eagles running backs again? No, Will, actually you didn't. I know you're just joking, but <laughs> it is a good point though, Eric, because if Jordan Howard does happen to miss this game, Miles Sanders is already out. You're going to have to look at Boston, Scott. So thanks for that reminder, Will. Yeah, looking forward to that. That always goes well, right? Yeah, but I mean, honestly, if they run another 40 times, I mean, I don't know. then they'll give Kenneth Gainwell looks. I mean, that's how it works, right? It's but it doesn't just matter. Like, play Again, the two. What? <laughs> play, play the number two in every spot, it seems like. Yeah, it's hard to say. It doesn't yeah. matter, though, because if you got 40 carries and, you know, 20 of them go to one guy and 15 go to another and five or six go to Hertz. You just got to see who's going to get those goal line carries, but yeah, it's gross. I mean, and, and I will say DK already priced up Boston Scott and yep. Kenneth Gainwell 4,900 and 5k for both of them. Jordan Howard, 5,200. He would be the oh. guy that you're looking at if yeah, yeah, exactly. Glad you it's, took a proactive approach on the backup Philly running backs, but you forgot about Sony Michelle. <laughs> really happy. You were proactive with Boston Scott. Dude. Jordan Howard at 5,200, if he plays, is totally fine. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> it's totally fine. Just think fine. of the sentence you just said and then, you know, play it's it over totally your fine. Head. And he was yeah. targeted four times last game before he got hurt. Yeah. It's totally dumb. fine, man. It's dumb. But, uh, hey, do you guys have any interest? There you go, Will. That was for you, by the way. Do you guys <laughs> have any interest in, in some of these lower-owned wide receivers if you're looking down at – I mean, there's nothing super exciting down here, but there are going to be some guys right. Like, okay, 52 point total, Matt. You have Amari Cooper uh, not getting a lot of ownership. Jalen Waddles not pulling a lot of ownership right now. There are some players down here that are uh, Jamar Chase is getting essentially nothing right now. This could be one of those weeks where you get to really good wide receivers that just aren't getting a lot of ownership for one reason or another. For sure. I see the two best games in the slate from a total perspective in Kansas City versus Cincinnati, and then Arizona versus Dallas, all coming in with pretty low ownership. And right. on the Kansas City side, you have Tyreek Hill, respectably owned. I think Kelsey coming back, maybe we could talk about him as a tight end. But all of the Cincinnati receivers are pretty low owned right now. And Jamar Chase had a fantastic game. He just didn't score all the touchdowns that T. Higgins did. He still went over 100 yards. So Jamar Chase is an excellent pivot in the expensive range. And then I think this, this Dallas-Arizona game is still getting a lot of respect from bookmakers. I know people are afraid of the Dallas defense right now, but luckily they can mitigate some of the Dallas pass rush with Kyler's mobility. And I think maybe you don't stack the Arizona side, but you could certainly run back an A.J. Green, a Christian Kirk, whoever it may be, Rondell if he's healthy. And then you can look to some of these Dallas pass catchers. We finally saw Dallas kind of get off the schneid last week with Dak Prescott absolutely dismantling the Washington defense and half of football, Arizona's defense, they've kind of regressed. We in coming into the year, we thought they were going Arizona to has regressed. Oh yeah. 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 That's if I said Dallas, I meant Arizona. No, no, no. I'm sorry, Matt. I meant Arizona. You said their defense. I'm saying Arizona in general has regressed. They've looked horrible on both sides of the ball. My fault. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And the, some of that's the offense. Like, the flaws of Cliff Kingsbury are finally showing themselves. Like you can't just kick field goals in the red zone. It's 
it's cost them a lot of games. But if this game still is a 51 point total, and even if you just stack Dak, Amari, CD, and then you run back an Arizona receiver, I think there's enough play volume and the total's high enough and the Arizona receivers are cheap enough where you can make the stack work. And I have a ton of interest in this at lower ownership. You know, who I want to run back there is uh, Zach Ertz, Eric. This dude's been heavily involved lately. He, is, is he Kyler Murray's favorite target already? It feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it would seem 13 and 11 targets right out of the gate. The, the rapport seems to be there. Obviously, you know, that that massive Seattle game, Zach Ertz, or sorry, it wasn't Kyler Murray that was out there, but like we're looking at Zach Ertz being an important part of this football team, especially if you're not going to be having Hopkins out there. It, it just makes all the sense in the world. Zach Ertz has been a reliable tight end. I would say, I mean, this is kind of a, a different dude. Part of it is, you know, maybe Carson Wentz of old where, you know, he didn't necessarily see the ceiling along with Dallas Goddard out there. He's kind of come to fruition now in the absence of Zach Ertz. So a lot of things that were kind of limiting um, his upside. And now there's really no limits on it. I think that you're dead on with Zach Ertz being a guy 5,200 on DK that we're going to be looking at, but you know, these other ancillary options, of course, you can take shots on, uh, on Christian Kirk. It seems like every single week here, this is Wednesday and by Sunday, we're going to have a number of cheap pieces, whether, you know, Antoine Wesley, you know, was a guy for me last <laughs> week. And I don't really know if I can do Antoine Wesley again. I think I got bailed out a little bit by a touchdown there. Um, you know, for the, for the two gamer from Saturday, but like legitimately looking up and down the entire, the entire board, like there's just like the Byron Pringles. You've even got a guy like Deshaun Jackson, who, you know, is 0.4% ownership, but he played over 50% of the snaps. And anytime you get him on the field for that allotment of numbers, it only takes one to really get there in that capacity. We all know that. So there's just a number of these sub 4k or guys lingering around that 4k range that given uh, how unpredictable COVID has been and uh, guys, we just don't know who's going to be on the list come Friday or Saturday. There's definitely going to be some opportunity under 4K. So you just kind of want to be ready to, to fire that up. I got to say, though, if is it really possible that these secondary Rams receivers and Eric or Matt, whoever, whichever one of you guys wants to take this, is it really possible that these guys are coming in around you know, two, 3%, because if that's the case, if there's ever a time to just roll the dice on maybe some volume going away from cup or just enough volume getting distributed everywhere at one and 3% against the Ravens, that feels like a really good time to take that risk. Yeah. hundred percent agree. The target distribution is really condensed there. You basically have three receivers on the field every single play. It's Cup, it's Van Jefferson, and it's Odell. You have Higby on the field almost every single play. So I like when you have these very narrow distributions of targets. If the Ravens try to take away Cooper Cup with the practice squad level players they have in their secondary, it's going to cause a lot of issues. And we saw this exploited last week. I think Stafford and the Rams offense is of the same caliber. The total in this game is not quite as interesting. I was actually surprised to see it at 47. I thought it would come in higher. Maybe that speaks to the quarterback uncertainty for the Baltimore situation. Lamar's practicing today, and I imagine if he's active, this total will climb. But I think that only speaks to the shootout potential of the game even more. For sure. Eric, you want to add anything to that or you want to move on the tight ends here? Yeah, I think that was a pretty, if I had to take a shot on one, I know Van Jefferson hasn't been as good the last two, but he's $400 cheaper. I think he carries the exact same upside as a guy like Odell Beckham. And, you know, he's 1% as opposed to Odell, who always gets like a little bit of ownership simply because of the name net recognition. Um, 
if you want to get 25% off everything on the site, awesome at plus platinum for the week, use the promo code NFL strategy show, all caps, all one word, ownership, player projections, top stack tool, boom, bust tool, lineup builder. Uh, you can do the fantasy cruncher add on now for a week, which is huge for those of you guys that want to try it. All of that good stuff. All these tools created by awesome himself, Alex Baker, number one ranked player out there. And uh, as you'll see from our hall of fame segment, people are winning good money. A lot of money, as a matter of fact, using all of these tools that we've got over at Awesomeo. So check it out if you'd like and uh, join our premium Discord, our office hours where you get the pros helping you, uh, helping you better your game, a good community over there. NFL Strategy Show, all one word, all caps, if you want to get 25% off your first week. I will also point out that you are going to have the postseason coming up soon. If you're looking to wait, maybe you're a little tight. The wallet's a little tight right now after the holidays. I don't know if they want me saying this, but if there was ever a time to try something out for cheap, we'll have the NFL Express Pass through through the playoffs for NFL. It's $3.95. And if you do that at the beginning of, say, the postseason, you're going to have an insane amount of value there because all of our showdown tools are included, all of them. And now you've got that Monday night football game in the wild card weekend. You've got the Saturday games, the Sunday games. That'll be something to take advantage of. So if you want to hold out until then, check it out. Otherwise, NFL strategy show, all one word, all caps. And if you want to get to the free content today that we have on the site, always got a little free content that we're rotating in front of paywall. NBA player projections and NHL player rankings free today. All right, Eric, tight end at the top. We're finally back to a point where you've got a lot of expensive tight ends at the top. Yeah, it makes this slate really fun. I think this is, if I had to pick one thing that I do enjoy, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. We haven't seen all three of them on the same slate pretty much all year. I, I'm going to say almost all year, it seems like. You know, Kittle was out there for a while, and uh, it, it just they've never landed on the same main slate. So I think just having three options like that they're all going to be low owned because you have Antonio Brown, Cooper cup, a lot of the wide receiver options that are going to get prioritized. But I think there's enough running back like mid five K upper five K value that opens up the, the path to some of these guys. And it doesn't matter. We talked about Amon Ross saying Brown, it doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. Uh, even if it's the dusty Tim Boyle, I know that's Makachevsky's favorite player ever, but um, looking at uh, the tight end spot, Mark Andrews just continues to smash Regardless, he's had three different quarterbacks now and is just continuing to to roll no matter what. Massive volume, massive involvement here. You know, having having just that kind of security, it's it's ridiculous. 7,400, I think, are we at the point where we're talking about him uh, next to Travis Kelsey and George Kittle being just as good of a play? And, and I'm saying yes. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. Like, I don't, it's I don't incredible. think it's And the best game environment, like the best run back for, the Rams, it, Mark Andrews is just outrageous. I don't think it's even a conversation to be had anymore of whether or not Mark Andrews is, uh, you know, the elite of the elite up on the season. He is the tight end one by 30 points. Yeah, I didn't know that. That is fantastic. Yeah. Granted, Kelsey missed the game, but still, still, I mean, Matt, Eric makes a, a, a good point here. And I've been, it's, it's, it's frustrating because. I've been getting these stacks with, with Mark Andrews runbacks, but every week I just seem to not put all the pieces together perfectly. Like I'll go Rogers, Devonte Adams, Marquez Valdez, Scantling with the Andrews runback seems great until you realize that Huntley was the QB one that week. 
you know? And then last week you'll, you'll do something where you have, I don't, I don't even know, but for three weeks in a row now, you have Mark Andrews with double digit targets, a hundred plus yards, one plus touchdowns and 30 plus fantasy points. He has been the preeminent tight end in the league over the last month, for sure. Hands down. Yeah, and I think the way the Ravens are playing right now with a porous secondary is creating the shootout environments where he can continue this production. Lamar returning would only be a boost here. I think it's positive to see him performing with Huntley and Josh Johnson, but Lamar coming back will be a boost to this offense overall. Again, Lamar's practicing today, so I think that's positive. The one interesting game theory aspect of this particular slate that I'm, I'm looking at right now is you have all these elite tight ends, but none of them are in the top three of ownership. Travis Kelsey is drawing the most at 8% right now. George Kittle, he's a little bit lower at four. And then Andrews is coming in at three. Usually on these slates, especially where you only have one or two of these guys, I think the conversation is, can they bury me? Like when there's only two of them, if they both fail, then sure you can punt at tight end and maybe they score enough where it can overcome a medium game from Kelsey, Kittle, whoever it may be. But when you have all three of them on the slate, what are the chances that all three of these guys fail? And that's what I start asking myself and why I want to prioritize them. You add in the lower ownership and I think it just makes more sense. Like I'm not sure there's too many of these punt tight ends that can actually outscore Kelsey Kittle or Andrews. If one of them has a ceiling game. That's a great point. It is. And, and Eric, I'll throw this over to you here because I do think that we could make this at least a little bit interesting. I do, I agree with Matt. I, I don't think a Brevin Jordan is getting you there this week. And, you know, Ben talked about it yesterday when we were on the show with, with Jordan and myself that it does feel like one of those weeks where you're going to need, or it feels like one of those weeks where you're going to need a good game from your tight end. But at least let me point out here and get your take on this, that you do have Zach Ertz at 5,200, yes. right? Zach Ertz could give you, is, is, a thir is a 25 fantasy point game from Ertz out of the question? Absolutely not, given his targets. I know it hasn't been there recently but the volume has been um dallas goddard against washington it's hard to say what you're getting from him but he was coming off two monster games prior to last week one of them coming against that same washington team dalton schultz in a 50 plus total game uh and then let me just say if everyone wants to get off gronkowski because he had one bad game where he just wasn't needed that's fine but when Gronk comes up with, with two touchdowns in the first half this week and you're wondering how that came about, it's because Gronkowski catches touchdowns. So I love those 7K guys, but I think that 5 and then 5K range, low 5K range, and then Gronk kind of on an island by himself in that 6K, there are different spots to get to without having to fully pump. Yeah, so I mean that upper range, you only have 10 players that are more expensive on DraftKings this week than what Mark Andrews is. So like... If those players land into your lineups, the Cooper Cups, the Jonathan Taylors, the, the Tyree Kills, if you're trying to get to like two or three of those guys in a lineup, you're bypassing the 7K range. You just kind of have to. And, you know, obviously you want to get this tight end spot right because with those three massive ceilings, you kind of need it. But if those other positions, you know, the 30, 40 spots that you're getting at other positions, if you need that savings, I have no problem going to Zach Ertz. Even Dallas Goddard is not really projecting out that well here for us. And obviously Jalen Hurts out there, but like they are limited in terms of skill player options. No Miles Sanders, possibly no Jordan Howard. I think that that's a slight bump. For a guy like Dallas Goddard, who's definitely had slate winning upside here two of the last three weeks, it just didn't happen to be last week. So looking at Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, both of them make sense kind of in that range. And 
you know, I'm with you guys, the Brevin Jordans going down and, and punting and trying to find one touchdown in 10 points. That ain't going to be it for me this week. There's too oh. many ceilings, too many places. So uh, I'm pretty much drawing the line uh, at like a, probably Gerald Everett, I would say would be like the last guy. I'm really not going 4K. I, uh, Tyler Higby, you could probably involve in game stacks, but 4K down, there's just no shot for me on this slate. Yeah. Shit. I don't know if I want to go below Goddard or, or sorry, Dalton Schultz at yeah. this point. It's, it's tough. And, and that's the opportunity cost of the slate. Like Gerald Everett um, has shown at least a little bit of involvement here where uh, I would be okay against Detroit going there three pretty decent weeks, obviously very touchdown dependent, but what tight ends aren't other than Andrews, Kelsey and Kittle. I get it. And even with a Hunter Henry, it's like, do I really want to chase a 25 point game in, in, in the chances that I get a one point game? Like, (laughs) For real though, yeah. he, he's yeah, really it's, volatile it's gross. in yeah, this it's offense. Gross. Matt, do you have anybody down below that you want to get to? A certain price range? Yeah, I, I'm saying like below the Schultz and the Goddards and the Ertzens. Kyle Pitts. I mean, I played some Kyle Pitts last week and I never feel good about it. But Kyle Pitts is his, like historically speaking, having one of the best rookie seasons a tight end has ever had. He's going to finish second, I think, in most receiving yards by a rookie tight end all time. And he just hasn't scored any touchdowns. So, I mean, if he scores a touchdown, Kyle Pitts has the ability to put up a score of a Kittle, a Kelsey, but he just doesn't have the same scoring expectation. He's not in the explosive offenses that these other guys are in. And Matt Ryan playing quarterback is going to constantly be a problem for him. But if he does, by the grace of God, find the end zone, he has that ceiling. By the grace of God. <laughs> I think it would take that's, a miracle. That's worse than Delio. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's way more Midwest than Delio. Yeah. No, I, uh, you, come on. How is Delio Midwest? It's, it's, oh. it's Forget about geography. It's Who's just, Eric? Nobody in the Midwest says Delio. Nobody no, says Delio. Here's the Delio. No, Everybody just, says that. Forget Nobody about Nobody says that. Where it's from. It's more about where, when it's from. And we're talking the 1990s. Well, I'm a 90s kid. That's what it is. You know, you I'm a 90s? 90s kid. I was born in 93. Yeah. I was born in 87, but I mean, grew up in the 90s. Like I'm a straight up 90s kid. You're my age. Yeah. 34. When's your birthday? September 19th. Okay. 87. I'm 87 too. Let me tell you something, man. Could we have been any luckier growing up in the 90s? I'm no. serious. The what nuts. a time to grow up. Pogs. No, that's the first thing off is pogs i was thinking yeah. like golden eye in the basement like well, quad screen gold quad screen golden eye with the boys the nuts. was using the cheats to get up into the into the air vents and odd the job just cheating just straight no up doubt. cheating but what i'm saying is shit like pogs what an odd odd thing that people just for a good month loved you you remember going outside onto like the sidewalk with the, the slammers and playing mm-hmm. pogs yep those, right? I mean, now people are going out playing Pokemon catch on their phones and stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. By cars. Yeah. Get out of here <laughs> with that weak shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, uh, the nineties were incredible. Not only that, but you had Kelly Kapowski, you had like all of these like unbelievable Pamela Anderson Baywatch. I mean, like truly growing up, being a dude in the Midwest, just like being able to just consume that content. It doesn't get a whole lot better kids these days. Now it has to be like artistic. It has to like what, just come on like when you're when you're 10 years old let's I'm let's you. be serious i'm with you man i'm with you yeah what watching uh what was that movie it was a strip tease my buddy's brother was older and there was like a you know 
remember the first <laughs> nude scene you see as a kid in those yep. in those like rated r kind of rated mm-hmm. x movies but they were yeah. in theaters you know what i'm talking titanic. about yeah you just rewatched the one clip of titanic with kate winslet over <laughs> and over and over and that why is the tape on titanic not work oh well i just love that movie that's what it is it just sucks that like tiktok is a thing yeah. i'm sorry i know it's, it's true youtube I, boomers don't like tiktok unreal it's just gonna melt people's brains, Matt. I'm sorry, but it is not. Yeah, good. I feel it. I feel it happening to me. I I can't say it's a good good use of my time, but I love it. <laughs> and you know what? I do have some boomer attributes because I'm definitely the guy that's like, when I was a kid, we'd be outside playing hockey in 10 degree weather. You know, right. now they're sitting inside learning how to do the fucking shuffle. So I get it. I get it. <laughs> but. But Breaking phones on. like Matt Kajewski over there. Just you love your TikTok, don't you, Matt? It's so gross. I I'm addicted to face. the internet. I can't. I cannot help myself. Carl said Topanga from Boy Meets World. Yeah, dude. Yes. Topanga, fire. Yeah, Winnie from uh, Winnie. Winnie's still Wonder pretty years. hot. Yeah, she's Winnie's still, still. She still got it. Yeah, she still got it. Yeah. Oh man, Sandlot! Like I'm telling you, we grew up in a great, great. So what time. I'm saying, do, do the '80s have those girls? No, they don't. The '90s, the '90s had it. The '90s had it constantly. '90s up had everything. Is they also had Jankos. So I mean, I've made some mistakes. But... <laughs> <laughs> Matt, did you not wear Jankos? Dude, I don't know half the things you guys are talking about. <laughs> All, right. All right. I know you, you got to get out of here. Baby. Doing- no, he's just like, oh, my God, we almost got through a show. We almost did. And yeah. that's just like, please. We were please doing so well here. I we know. were doing so well. Nirvana, um, hell yeah, that too. I mean, bands, 90s bands over. over oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. Nirvana. Oh, oh, come on. I'm telling you, it was it was a great time to be alive. Sublime. Yes. Sublime. We we had a we we had a good run, Eric. We had a good run. Did did. Awesome Hall of Fame. These guys also had a damn good run. That's why they're getting inducted. Oh, that was solid. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> if you want to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, all you got to do is go to awesome.com/avatar. Download it. Use it on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, wherever it is. Finish top three in a field of five thousand or more. Whether it's the Millie, doesn't matter. The Millie, it could be a, a quarter arcade. It could be the nickel. And uh, tweet your wins at Awesome H-O-F. It's Awesome Hall of Fame. Include Eric, Matt, and myself in those as well because we like seeing this stuff. And win a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum when you do. So you get inducted. You get the $90 Awesome Plus Platinum. You get love on Twitter because everyone loves that. Like our boy Neil Orfield. He doesn't need any of that. This guy just keeps crushing. Uh, another showdown win, 100 k and 25000 to our boy, Neil Orfield. Look, Neil does a ton of shows with us. He's the showdown king at this point. Congrats, man. Said single game tool was spot on. Solid marketing, too. That's what I'm saying, man. These tools are putting in work. And that express pass for $3.95 a week, the single game uh, showdown tool, uh, top plays tool, is part of that for $3.95 a week. Rimpack, another one of ours, 67000 I told you these tools work. Congrats, man. That must have been from last night. Four hundred. Eric, 400 top scores yesterday. Just absurd. I mean, the NBA is out of control. I mean, we're getting news constantly at all hours of the day. It's but nuts. I was recording the Slate Starter with Ryan last night, and I was like, hey, how's your night going? He goes, oh, I'm just, you know, tied for the $15 on DK. And I'm just like, 
F this guy. Like, what a yeah, joke. Right? Where that's just like a Matt, he's like, I, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. I'm like, you, it's the fourth quarter. You're not going to go sweat 67.5. I'm that much of a peasant now. Yeah, like, come on, dude. It's amazing. Uh, he's it's outrageous. Amazing. Yeah. Brent Ross, wounded geese with the first <laughs> place win. Congrats to you, man. See what I mean? Like 4K, single entry. We'll take it all. Great content as always. He said, thanks, dude. Jim Waterfield. 583. Oh, look at that. Field of 5,000 or more. He gets third out of exactly 5,000. That's huge right there. Thanks for all the great content. The YouTube shows not only have great content, but are entertaining. My first big win. Congrats, Jim. And then Alexandre, uh, $2,000 win right there. 10K shot machine. Good stuff, bro. First out of 1,500. And to close this off, Bambo. 300 first place 411 and a half holy shit man these scores have been absolutely nuts congrats to all of you get in download the avatar say what's up to us at awesome hof get inducted get your free month as well why not all right matt let's wrap this up top stacks for the week right now you have tampa bay with the highest top stack probability followed by buffalo kc and the la rams all of them at 12 percent or higher seems to make some sense yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Basically, the top stacks tool of late has been telling me not to get cute at quarterback. Don't play your Justin Fields, your Jake Fromms, your gross quarterbacks. We have explosive enough offenses, and every single week it seems like there's one that goes under the radar. One last week that had a, it was a lower leverage score, but it was still positive with Cincinnati. And I think you can use the top stacks tool to find some of those. And basically every single week you're seeing Tampa Bay, LA, Buffalo towards the top, which tells me these teams aren't owned enough. And we continue to see them at the top of tournament winning lineups. So for this week, I'm still going to go back to LA in a game against the Ravens without a secondary, but with a capable offense on the other side. When I think about the shootout potential of these games, sure, Tampa Bay looks great, but can the Jets really keep keep it up on the other end? And I I think maybe if they, they get a ceiling outcome, they could, but Baltimore are far more likely to do that. So I, I'm still going to side with the LA team in the top, top stacks tool here. I'm with you. You already know I love going to this Rams team this week. I'm sure ownership will change a little bit, but if it really is that low of ownership on guys like Ben Jefferson and Odell, it'll be interesting. Do you think there's any merit to going with like a Stafford, Beckham, Jefferson lineup without Cup this yeah. week, Eric? Matt, yeah. Uh, really? No, okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Mainly because how does Stafford break a slate? He's going to do it through Cup. He's and not going to do it through it Jefferson feels, and yeah. Beckham. It, there's just there's a zero percent chance that I do that. Actually, um, mainly because yeah, I it would it would take what twenty five plus from both of them. That's not happening with Cooper Cup healthy. You would you would need something really really fluky to happen where, you know, that was just, you, you get cup dinged up on the, in the first quarter and something of that nature. But um, for me, I just have been saying it every single week, maybe I'm a broken record, but it looked really nice last week. Josh Allen, we're just going to continue jamming him in a lot of these spots. Uh, looking at them right now, 12.4% top stack potential, a tiny bit of positive leverage here. I think what gets frustrating for everybody is that if you're stacking him up with Stefan Diggs, hasn't exactly gone well here of late. That's uh, that's really the problem that people have been having with it. But 
you know, there's paths to some of these cheap end guys, whether it's, you know, Gabe Davis, who even at 5k, I'm going to get to Cole Beasley. There's just so many cooks in the kitchen there at that wide receiver spot. I think you can kind of mix and match them in tournaments because I want to be going for that 29 total. I want to be going to Josh Allen, especially looking how good he played there in that spot. I mean, even Devin Singletary, just having this entire Buffalo team against Atlanta, 14 point favorites at home. There's no doubt about it. Buffalo is just going to be firing on all cylinders to finish out the season. And I want to be invested. So do I, if there was one stack that is right now getting no, no real attention, Matt, but you think should be getting a little bit more, who would it be? Because like Cincy is very low right now in terms of just overall ownership, positive leverage, not insane, but they're up there. Uh, Kansas City, not getting a ton of ownership right now. And Arizona is down there a lot. I feel like Arizona is the one team you and I talked about earlier where it's like they have really struggled lately. But could this be a Kyler Murray, Christian Kirk, an Ertz game with, uh, you know, CD Lamb run back that just breaks a slate? It's always possible. Right. Based on our tools right now, it seems like that's the preferred side to stack. Dallas is coming in a little over-owned. I think part of that's going to come down to price. Kyler's expensive, but none of the receiving options you stack him with are. Ertz, I think, could be a tight end you use that might rival the, the overall Kelsey's of the world. But ultimately, you can use any of these Arizona pass catchers, and they're going to be pretty cheap, whereas you have to pay a little bit more for the Dallas guys. And this still has the highest total on the board across all like major books. So I think this is a spot that is going under owned here, but one last situation, like it didn't really come up and naturally it's not going to, cause it's not really a stack, but what do you guys make of San Francisco with Trey Lance under center? Cause we, we don't really talk quarterbacks until the top stack still. And he's not really a guy you stack. It's a great question. Go ahead, Eric. He's 4,800 on DraftKings. I mean, I think the natural thing that I do with a lot of these quote unquote running quarterbacks is you pair them up with a tight end and he kind of like what a safety valve short, distance kind of guy you know we've seen it with mark andrews now three times in a row uh i'm not saying you know it's george kittles i mean it's a straight up comp there Uh, debo samuel i think is probably going to get a lot of involvement as a runner here in this spot um we saw that big play i believe it was against seattle which was super tilting to me where he ended up getting there on that one big play i ended up putting up 38.7 and i know that that was with trey lance behind center so there's definitely some upside to be had pairing him with some of these pass catchers no doubt about it I find it hard to want to just say naturally going up against Houston. I want to play Trey Lance sub 5k that I wouldn't want to pair him with somebody. I mean, we've just seen some above average. um, We've seen some above average performances from Jimmy Garoppolo. That's inflated some of these numbers, but like Debo Samuel's kind of become independent himself as well. So uh, I just think investing in the offense more so than trying to like force a stack probably makes the most sense. But I think this, I have a really disgusting one. I don't want to end the show with this. Maybe Lafay can save it from me, but Zach Wilson. And I, this is really absurd. This is probably, yeah, you go ahead. Yes, Give is. me the frowny face. I'm fine with that. But I talked with, with Adam on the Monday show, the Monday review show, and he had about 14, 15% of this dude. And he's basically saying everybody finds Zach Wilson to be terrible everybody's kind of like just basically said that he's garbage. Well, he's adding some rushing volume that exists now into his game. He's going up against a pass funnel here in Tampa Bay. If you go to our game script adjusted rush percentage, they have the lowest projected rush percentage in this spot. Zach Wilson is going to be dropping back a lot in this spot going up against Tampa Bay. You said you had concerns about them keeping pace, but if they try to here, 
I mean, Winfield Jr. is questionable, so that's a big piece in that secondary at, at safety. Shaq Barrett's going to be out. They still have some depleted spots here. Dean's still on the COVID list, so, like, I'm looking at this Tampa Bay team, their defensive side, not exactly being as stout as people might expect. Zach Wilson has kind of been surprising to me going through his box scores here of late, and he's definitely somebody that I'm considering on the bottom end. I mean, he's got a 0.2% top stack potential. So, like, once again, this is the largest of large field tournaments. But Zach Wilson has been performing above expectation and against a pass funnel like Tampa Bay, it makes some sense to me. Here's the problem, though. Who are you stacking him with? Braxton Berrios? Best of luck. I have no idea. Legitimately, you got to find like one guy, two guys there. But like Trey Lance is going to get some attention. We don't talk quarterbacks, but like, you know, if you find anybody else cheap, you know, I think depending on this uh, Lamar Jackson news too, we could be looking at Johnson again, like, Zach Wilson is 5,400. It's kind of a weird tag to be looking at entirely. But, like, you know, if you can find, you know, if it's going to be Braxton Berrios, uh, Keelan Cole, I mean, they're not exactly zeros. Um, Braxton Berrios was, like, what, 40 50% owned in both Alex's and Adam's lineups last week. So, you know, obviously he got there through the, the kick return, and that was pretty fluky. But I think there's going to be a lot of passing opportunity for both teams in this game. All right. Um... I guess Moore can come off the – he came off the injured reserve and put on the COVID-19 reserve list, so maybe Elijah Moore's back this week. That would help. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. I have no interest in stacking a, a Zach Wilson team if the best option is Braxton Berrios. That's what I'm saying. Like, I need <laughs> okay, that's some fair. Up, I need some upside. Yeah. But anyway, hey, this has been a fun show as always, boys. All right, Matt, we, we got you out. Not, not too late. We'll, we'll make it. You're We're just – we're good. We're good. Shout out to Mike Lawrence for producing the show. Hit that thumbs up before you guys go. We got the matchup show tomorrow. Top stack show Friday. Final look Saturday. It all culminates in a four and a half hour stream Sunday leading up to kickoff. And of course, you guys know this, but a lot of NBA stuff going on today. You should check out all of the VODs that we have to get you prepped. But of course, the deeper dive, the live before lock show, both of which kick off Five and then 6.30 East or 6 o'clock Eastern time. We'll catch you back here very soon. Thanks as always for hanging. Follow Eric at Eric Link was Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski. Me at Lafayette underscore D. Peace.